This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Curious how your day was today, Sam Knight. Uh, I spent a chunk of my day watching Bernie Sanders endorse Joe Biden over a live stream online, and I'm feeling great. You're feeling great? Uh, I am also feeling great because I was reading articles about the leaked dossier from the Labor Party, which shows the right wing of the party sabotaging Jeremy Corbyn like every step of the way, including how he wanted to conduct the, uh, the anti-Semitism inquiry to code and expeditiously, and they sabotaged it because they wanted him to have bad press. Yeah, we're feeling great over here. We're both feeling absolutely fantastic on this Monday during a pandemic here in the United States. I can't believe Bernie endorsed him so early. I mean, it seemed like a few days ago that Bernie's campaign was trying to remind people that he still is on the ballot and that you should vote for him in these primaries. Like, you know, if you can vote safely, if you can vote mail-in or whatever, um... I thought that was whatever it was it was demoralizing but at least there was still some semblance of hope I mean not that there was a semblance of hope before don't get me wrong it's just adding insult to injury I guess is what I mean and why are you why now why now we knew this was coming but why now I'm finding myself upset at why this is coming now yeah I mean, we were just discussing this a few weeks ago, like, what should Bernie do? And there was a a, a range of options. You know, he could stick it out all the way till the convention, let everybody, let all the states at least cast their ballots, let him have his delegates. Uh, There was the option of Bernie saying, fuck it, running third party. (laughs) Um, Of all these options that he had, uh, you know, maybe just staying in the race longer and uh, putting out something like, you know, before I join you, Joe, you're going to have to uh, endorse this policy, this policy, this policy, any of these options. And Bernie chose the worst option, which was to drop out too soon and lose any leverage he had by endorsing Joe Biden immediately. Dark days, just dark as hell. And I see people saying, well, you know, he he has a chairman seat in a Senate committee. He has to play ball with the party. It's like, yeah, there are reasons for why Bernie did this, but none of these are justifications. There are reasons so that Bernie can be a, a, the chairman of the budget committee while Democrats are a minority in the Senate during Trump's second term. At the end of the day, Bernie's doing a massive favor to the Democratic Party here. And of course, you know, as people like Owen Higgins have, have pointed out and that I've agreed with, Bernie's always played ball with the Democratic Party. He's caucus with them for a long time. So this isn't really much of a surprise but one of the uh, one of the best arguments for why the left should get behind Bernie Sanders' political project, even though they have a tendency to not support democratic or political projects within the Democratic Party, is that there was a promise that Bernie Sanders could destroy the Democratic Party, that him winning would destroy the party as we know it, flush out the consultant class that is led the party to ruin, political ruin, for the last decade or so. And that was that was really something to look forward to. But I think that Bernie could have accomplished that even 
by not winning the nomination, simply by continuing to stay in the race, highlighting the flaws of the party, and maybe even by running third party, he could have destroyed the Democratic Party that way as well. Uh, but the Democratic Party now has uh, co-opted him, as it had probably before the race began. Um, but they'll learn that they can't co-opt his movement, and centrists are going to learn that Bernie Sanders wasn't a, a cult-like figure to a lot of people because he's going to tell his supporters to vote for Joe and we're not going to fucking do it. I saw a very smart account tweet something like that. Were you posting that on Facebook or did you post it on Twitter? I, I mean, I, I have seen smart Twitter accounts post that. <laughs> Didn't you post it? I, I've, I couldn't possibly comment on whether or not I posted it, but I have seen that posted. You can comment that you posted it on Facebook. I don't think they're going to kick you off Facebook. The mods are not aware of your Facebook antics yet. Between the left just getting totally fucking rolled in the Democratic primary and in the Labor Party, it is it is just a very dark day. And... Fuck. I mean, it, it. I'm not saying that people should necessarily give up on any form of electoralism or even entryism per se. But, you know, let's let's be real about what we're getting into here with the Democratic Party. And uh, we should probably not be doing this is is the bottom line. I mean, I know I'm not voting for the Democratic nominee for president, and uh, there might be some local races where I vote for a Democrat who's to the left of whatever Democrat is in there now, but it is just so demoralizing. As we've seen, this this whole, it's all propped up on an idea of uh, the Democrats slash labor being the lesser of two evils, but as that principle has gained more and more prominence uh, in in the central tenet holding together this the center left and the transatlantic, like the worse it gets. Like the more you say it's the lesser of two evils, the more you have to be just like marginally better than evil. And so we see this downward trend and uh, we just got to put our fucking foot down. Yep. It's Monday, April 13th, 2020. Here's the news. Oye, oye, oye. Can everybody hear me? The Supreme Court will hear oral arguments by teleconference for the first time ever. I'm sure that'll go well. Justices announced today that they would. I just imagine them asking Clarence Thomas if he's if he's connected. Clarence, are you on? Because he's never saying anything. <laughs> Clarence, are you muted? Are you muted, Clarence? <laughs> unmute your Clarence, mic. Clarence, unmute, Clarence. Anyway, justices announced today that they would hear 10 cases in May. A press release from the court said, quote, in keeping with public health guidance in response to COVID-19, the justices and counsel will all participate remotely. The court anticipates providing a live audio feed of these arguments to news media. Details will be shared as they become available, end of quote. SCOTUS blog also noted, by the way, uh, that this means the live audio feed will be broadcast to the public in general. And this will be the first time we'll be able to hear Supreme Court arguments in real time ever. 
because the court is so dinosauric with how it approaches technology, etc. SCOTUS blog says there's no way to enforce the usual delay rules under this uh, framework. So we might be able to get some live SCOTUS stuff. Cool. Which, who knows, maybe FanDuel will have some SCOTUS action (laughs) as to who, who asked the most questions and Obviously, Clarence Thomas. Don't make Clarence Thomas your captain. Assuming this isn't derailed by hackers or prank callers, cases will be heard starting on May 4th. Among those on the docket next month are previously postponed cases, including those with implications for this year's presidential election. Two involve the Electoral College and state laws forcing electors to be bound by their state's popular vote. Three of them involve subpoenas for the president's financial records about alleged illegal activity by President Trump before he became president. Two of these cases came from subpoenas issued by House committees. The third came from the New York County District Attorney. Also of note, one of the cases being heard next month involves a matter that the court was supposed to have decided almost seven years ago. In 2013, in a 6-2 to vote, justices overturned a 2003 law which banned the government from forcing recipients of grants to declare their opposition to sex work. This had been fought by the Open Society, the group backed by George Soros, the rich liberal guy whose name is constantly invoked by anti-Semites. According to their litigation, the government still tries to force foreign affiliates of U.S. groups to denounce sex work, claiming foreign entities have no First Amendment rights. Open Society countered, saying, quote, it is undisputed that respondents and their affiliates form unified organizations. Keeping an eye on the Electoral College cases, low-key, those are very important, and the Supreme Court could completely blow up the Electoral College as we know it just ahead of the election. That would be, uh, I mean, in theory, that's good, but... Yeah, the the way the Supreme Court is, they would probably make it even worse. Yeah, I feel like in the in the long term, it would be a good decision. In the short term, it would be complete chaos through November. Moving on, Republican senators tried to kill off the expanded unemployment benefits in last month's coronavirus bailout bill. They failed, but Republicans well positioned in the federal government might succeed. On Monday, Senators Chuck Schumer and Ron Wyden wrote a letter to Labor Secretary Eugene Scalia Yes, related to the late Justice Antonin Scalia, his son, Antonin Scalia, still dead, by the way. The senators are demanding that Eugene Scalia broaden the overly restrictive guidelines his department put out regarding who does and does not qualify for expanded benefits. In its guidance, the department ties benefits to a confirmed diagnosis of COVID-19, despite the difficulty for many people experiencing symptoms to actually acquire a test. Democrats are also concerned the department's guidance could exclude individuals who stay home from work because of underlying conditions that make them more susceptible to the virus, like old age and asthma. Now, while the department clarifies that benefits could be applied to individuals who are primary caregivers to children who can't attend school due to the pandemic, it doesn't extend that for schools that will soon be closed for summer break, despite the fact that summer camps and daycare centers will likely still be closed. The Labor Department rules also appear to exclude workers like Uber drivers 
who've been forced to stop working simply due to lack of demand. In their letter, Schumer and Wyden wrote that the department put forward rules that, quote, appear narrow or ambiguous, which could make states think they need to exclude workers who Congress clearly intended to receive unemployment compensation through the Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, end quote. The senators asked for broader guidelines to be released by this Friday. The Labor Department's attempts to restrict access to expanded unemployment benefits comes amid a historic rise in unemployment. More than 16 million people have lost their jobs in just the last three weeks. A rapid collapse of the job market not quite seen before in U.S. history. In fact, it's been so severe that unemployment offices around the country are overloaded, preventing people from even applying for the much-needed assistance now several weeks into this crisis, meaning the actual unemployment claims number is considerably higher. There was an interesting data point in today's Federal Register about COVID-19 economic relief. The Federal Reserve issued its rule reducing capital requirements for the biggest banks in the world, decreasing how much money they need to keep as a buffer against losses. Officials at the agency estimate the change will increase banks' exposure by around $1.6 trillion. That is the uh, T word there, trillion with a T. The Fed is enabling banks to tap into this money by relaxing a rule on how they calculate risk exposure by excluding their holdings in U.S. Treasury bonds and money kept in accounts held at Federal Reserve Banks. Officials at the central bank said they expect this to, quote, increase liquidity in stressed financial markets. It seems like allowing banks to engage in riskier behavior could possibly add to the stress, but what do I know? The Fed, which is never wrong about collapses, says that treasuries and Fed bank deposits are safe and that, quote, their exclusion will also not incentivize risk-taking by banking organizations. We will see, I guess... The rule is set to impact what the Fed considers globally systemic important banks. There are 30 of them in the United States. Another interesting figure, this from the Small Business Administration bailout program. The SBA released its rule on the payroll protection program. Rules allow small business owners to get loans to protect their own salary up to $100,000, almost the 90th percentile in terms of income threshold. This means, as we noted last week, workers are not allowed to sue business owners with under 50 employees for denying sick leave, even though they can get guaranteed loans to cover your salary, and they can also get loans to guarantee their own salary for up to $100,000. The program also allows them to apply for loan forgiveness. Finally today, the Department of Education can no longer ignore claims for debt relief from students who were defrauded by for-profit schools. Education Secretary Betsy DeVos reached a settlement in a class action lawsuit accusing her of damaging the credit and economic prospects of 160,000 students who were entitled to loan forgiveness under a rule implemented by the Obama administration. That was the borrower defense rule aimed at helping students who were taken advantage of by predatory schools. But upon assuming office during the Trump administration, DeVos put a hold on consideration of those debt relief applications, which then prompted the lawsuit. Under the settlement reached on Friday, the department will now have to respond to each request within 18 months and then provide relief within 21 months. The problem, though, is that Secretary DeVos has implemented a new, far more restrictive formula for determining who is entitled to debt relief. 
The formula compares the wages of students who attended these fraud mill schools with the wages of students who attended public universities working in similar fields. That approach could lead to students who were definitely defrauded but were able to overcome that fraud and still get a decent job, not receiving the compensation that they're entitled to. DeVos is also facing another lawsuit related to more than 70,000 former students of now closed down Corinthian colleges who have been blocked by the Education Department from receiving debt relief despite the school being shut down for rampant fraud. In that case, DeVos was hit with a $100,000 contempt of court fine for continuing to collect loan payments after the court ordered her to stop. The department plans to apply the same flawed formula it created to this batch of defrauded students as well. And that concludes the newscast for today. That music means it's time to read some poetry for our new subscribers on Patreon, $5 a month. You get access to all the bonus content plus your own haiku written for you and read on the air. That's patreon.com slash district sentinel. This first one goes out to Nick. Bernie endorses Joe Biden. Inject me with coronavirus. Thank you, Nick. This is for Sam. A thing I yearn for is greasy ass fried chicken. Healthy quarantine. Thank you, Sam. Strong name. How come you haven't made some greasy ass fried chicken in your house yet? Uh, I mean, to make it really good, you gotta deep fry it, and I, I just I, I don't wanna I don't wanna go through that mess. Mm-hmm. I made a roast chicken, which was very good. That's good. Maybe uh, maybe a deep fryer would be a good wedding gift. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Take about 20 years off your life with that gift. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to all the new subscribers. Again, that's Patreon. But would I really truly live without one? (laughs) That's true. That's true. All right. uh, Before we go, the listener rant line is blinking. Let's hear what y'all have to say. Hey, Sentinel listeners. It's Slater. I wanted to call in with an update on the awful pundit tournament's regular season. Um, right now, the standouts, the real peak performers in the regular season have been uh, Dave Rubin and Alan Dershowitz. Those are the guys to watch to make the bracket on the early going. And there's some big games coming up still just this week. We've got uh, Batya, Ungar, Sargon, Bunga, Bunga, Sargon of Akkad going up against Kevin Drum of Mother Jones. We all know Kevin Drum is a big doofus. This is a big game. Um, this is going to be free on the Awful Pundit's Twitter, um, so you got to go and check that out. And then coming up just a couple days later, Ben C. Jacobs versus Kurt Eichenwald in a tables match. That's right. Kurt Eichenwald is going to put Ben C. Jacobs through a table just like that uh, Montana politician did. So get over to at Awful Pundits on Twitter, subscribe on Patreon to get into the uh, premium games and get your uh, Big Dave baseball card. Hey, um, District Sentinel, please let me know that you guys got your Big Dave baseball card. And uh, peace out, everyone. Stay safe out there. Mm, thanks for the call, uh, Slater. Got to be honest with you, I have not gone to the post office since the pandemic began. Um, but I will I will make a note to try and head there this week to... Uh, I'm sure we've got a lot of mail. The only thing I really care about is that Big Dave baseball card, though. 
couple of names I hadn't heard about, heard of in a or thought of in quite a while mentioned in that call. Uh, the first being Kurt Eichenwald. <laughs> that guy seemed to uh, to disappear after the hentai porn incident pretty quickly. <laughs> and uh, Greg Gianforte, who uh, Slater didn't mention by name, but referred to as the guy who slammed Ben C. Jacobs. That was a. Uh... That that was that was a night. Hey, speaking of my wedding, that was the night I first met my wife. We we went on a date uh, right after that happened, and so that's what we talked about for half the date. Damn. So if that didn't happen, then maybe you would guys wouldn't have had anything to talk about. Greg Gianforte. <laughs> Knowing me, uh, yeah, that's right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, bud. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg Gianforte. That's who you should be thanking. Uh, call the rant line 202-684-6108 leave a message we will play it on air we are back tomorrow with a brand new newscast we're here in dc so you don't have to be